Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack. We're all back on the show again. Welcome to the Ots and Audibles podcast. Uh, a couple weeks or a week or so ago, we did Eric's uh, offensive two deep prediction post signing day, post portal closing kind of finishing type deal. Uh, now we're going to dive into Jared's too deep on the defensive side of the ball, which had to be updated because of multiple additions to the roster since his original one. Um, so we'll get his feedback on a couple of updates there. Um, so Jared, why don't you start us off uh, with this group? Um, I don't think I need to ask what's hard to, to, to make because there was probably changes that had that, you know, naturally had to be made because of, additions uh we can start off with the defensive line uh yeah sure um yeah i did this two weeks ago originally and uh or like just around two weeks ago uh and like the day later uh brandon johnson you know transferred to oregon or announced that he was transferring to oregon uh and then obviously the big pickup this past week on like the 27th or 28th was jabbar muhammad the washington transfer at cornerback um so, I mean, there were some some real questions in the secondary the first time around when I made it, just because there was, you know, a lot of people who were lost, especially in the safety room. But uh, I think there's now, at least very early, we're still here in January, very last day of it, but uh, it's there, there's a little bit more clarity. But yeah, no, let me, let me start with the defensive line. Um, as of now, this, my prediction is a defensive end, we have Birch, Jordan Birch is a senior, and then Johnny Bowens is a backup. Nose tackle, Amari Washington is a redshirt freshman. Ben Roberts is a redshirt sophomore as a backup. Defensive tackle, Jamar Caldwell, the transfer from Houston. And then backing him up is Keon Ware-Hudson. Uh, outside on the edge, I divided edge and outside linebacker. Um, edge, I have Mateo Uyunglele as his projected starter next season. And then Blake Purchase as his backup. And then outside linebacker, I've got Tatum Tuioti and uh, Amarion Winston as his backup. Um, this one was really difficult because – like I've talked about many times on our podcast, um, they lose a lot, a lot of production. Guys like Taki Taimani, Popo Amabai, Casey Rogers, Brandon Dorless, um, you, you can run through them. And those guys were integral parts of the defense last year. And there's going to be a lot to replace. And there's a lot of question marks on who is going to replace them and where this production is going to come from. Because, you know, guys like Amari Washington and Ben Roberts and Johnny Bowens and um, you know, Terrence Green and Mikel Gardner, like those guys all redshirted last season. And Ben Roberts, I know, has some playing experience, as does Amari Washington, who got in towards the end of the year. But you're replacing guys who are fifth or sixth year starters, or not starters, but fifth or sixth year seniors and who have started for multiple years in their respective career. Um, so I think there's a real, real question mark on the interior defensive lineman spot. Um, I have Birch as a defensive end, which is kind of different than what he played this last year, kind of that more of a stand-up outside guy, but they moved him around. I expect him to be moved around again and not in a bad way, but kind of take that Brandon Dorless role where he could play in the interior but also can stand up and edge rush. Um, I think that he's a perfect defensive lineman to move into the Big Ten with. Um, and on the edges, I, there's a kind of a depth thing here. I'm – not sure because you're losing Mace Funa, who I know isn't like the most productive player of all time at Oregon, but he did a good job during his career. Um, he was great against the run, which would really help, obviously, going to the Big Ten. 
Uh, he set edges. He was good for one game a year, where it was the Mace Funa game. And he did something great in that game where there was a touchdown, an interception, a forced fumble, like a couple sacks, a couple tackles for loss. There was always one game a year where he would he would thrive. And again, it's a lot of not a newcomers like the Tatum Tuiotis, the Amari Amarion Winston, um, Mateo Uyungle, Blake Purchase, like a lot of young young guys who have some experience, but um, it's you're just losing a, a lot of experience with Mace and everything else. So. I like it, though. I, I think it's a good defensive line. I just have some more question marks in the interior than a lot of other things. In terms of quibbles, it's hard for me to have really any just because so much of this is unknown. <laughs> like, I, I haven't seen Johnny yeah. Bowens or Amari Washington, really, or Ben Roberts play, obviously, the entire true freshman class, which I think they're relying on or hoping to have a couple of those guys be impact players, whether it be Aiden Breland or Jericho Johnson or Xavier Sims or... Um, Elijah Rushing. I mean, those are big time recruits. Oregon had arguably the best defensive line edge class in the country. But where do you place them without having seen them is kind of really challenging. Uh, like, mm -hmm. I think Jericho Johnson has a great shot of challenging for a nose tackle, you know, whether it's starting second string. I mean, he's already said he thinks he's coming in and he's, he's going to have a chance to push for it. And based upon the fact that he's 360 pounds, I won't doubt the kid, but he's also never taken part in an Oregon football practice. So it's hard to put him ahead of other guys. Um, you know, and so I think that I think this is going to be a really fun group to follow because we have direct evidence from last season that if true freshmen are ready, they will be given an opportunity to play. And we think about who we've got at the edge and outside linebacks there with Mateo Blake and Tatum. None of us really knew how much those guys would play. I think we all thought Mateo would have a role, but the fact that the other right. two ended up being so involved was a surprise. There's going to be a couple of guys probably from this true freshman class or guys who are redshirt freshmen who pop up and have similar roles. It's just really hard to assess who those guys are right now. So I'm not I'm not even going to really push back on much of it. But I do think when we get to fall, you're going to see some true freshmen and a few redshirt freshmen maybe that aren't on this list. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a couple of them. Um, crack this too deep when Jared goes through this exercise in August. But right now, before spring and with all the youth, it's just really hard to do this exercise. And I, I have a hard time pushing back on much of any of it, to be honest. Uh, I would start Keon, but that's the only thing I would do. Over who? Amari. I thought about that, but Keon's more of a defensive tackle rather than a nose tackle. Like that's where he played last year, and Amari, or excuse me, not Amari, Amari Washington fills that kind of body type that they need at nose that you're losing in Taki Taimani, and Keon just isn't that. So, and Jamari Caldwell is a big boy in his own right, but at Houston they played him alongside a nose tackle, so he played primarily defensive tackle at Houston. So I think they'll try to do something similar this year. That's fair. Yeah. That was certainly um, certainly an option, but I think they just need they need a big body. And uh, you know, Dan was really complimentary of his play when I asked him about him at the Fiesta Bowl. Um, he didn't get too many snaps in the Fiesta Bowl, but he, he got in there towards the end of the year. And I think that he's just the right body type to try to plug some gaps in the Big Ten. Um, so again, I mean, I'm, we're basing a lot of this just on mm -hmm. like guys who have played fifty to eighty snaps. And so it's, it's tough, but uh, there's still a lot of talent. And I didn't include any of the of the freshmen in here, the yeah. 2024 freshmen for exactly what Eric said. Like, I, I don't know. 
like we're gonna have to see him. I saw Elijah rushing for 10 minutes at a practice at the Fiesta Bowl where I'm like, hey, he's he's here, he's on the team when they didn't they didn't do anything real. So we'll see. Spring will have a lot more answers. Um I'm gonna move on in the linebacker room, which I thought was well, I, I thought one thing I wanted oh, to ask. Or one thing, yep. just because we did it last time, was uh, the transfer portal element of is there more need here? Oh, right. And the reason I kind of wanted to circle, I, we probably don't need to do it too much else going forward. But this one in particular was one where I know going into the portal season, we were like heavy needs. Where are you at, Jared, in terms of – because you were saying I think four or five or five, maybe five or more back then. Yeah. They've, they've added one in Caldwell. Do you still think it's like take three or four or where – because I probably backed off a little bit and think like – if I was in their shoes and you had the space to do it, I'd like a Casey Rogers kind of Swiss army knife guy who can play all over the right. place. And then like one really proven pass rusher who has 10 career sacks from three years somewhere else or something would be like my hypo you know, hypothetical additions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still think that they need more. Um, again, there's just a lot of question marks. It's like, we're, you know, uh, the nose tackles that I'm predicting to be in the two deep are Ben Roberts and Amari Washington. I talked about Amari Washington um, he had, didn't play that many snaps this year, and neither did Ben Roberts. Ben Roberts uh, played a little bit in 2022, but um, that was kind of only out of necessity. I I think that they need some more interior guys, uh, like you said, Eric, like a, like a Casey Rogers. I think they need some some big boys up front, like to fill in a nose tackle. Um, I don't know the the scholarship is, distribution is going to be interesting to see how they do it over spring, and I don't know how many impact portal guys are going to come on the defensive line during spring football. That's the other thing, but I wouldn't hate seeing it. I think they need a couple more guys. Yeah. Add, add one more defensive lineman to play the big, the, the nose tackle position. Hmm. All right. Moving on to linebackers. Uh, I thought that this was just the, the easiest room to do. Um, uh, Justin Jacobs at the Mac and then Jerry Mixon has his backup. And then money was Jeffrey Bassa and then Devin Jackson and his backup. Um, like this is just pretty clear cut. Once Jacobs and Jeffrey Bassa returned uh, or announced their return to Oregon for the 24 season, like that was your starting linebacker room. And, you know, I like what I saw from Jerry Mixon uh, this past year. Uh, I think that there's going to be, obviously they add three talented true freshmen and Braden Platt, Dylan Williams and Kamar Mathuti. Um, I think Pl obviously Platt's going to be more of a Mac linebacker. He's built, he's six foot two and like 220, 230 pounds. So that's like right down a Mac linebacker alley. Dylan Williams, I'm, I, I think he can grow into that kind of role, but I think of him more as a money. Same with Kamar Mathuri. I think of him as a money as well. But uh, I think the backups are, are good. Uh, you know, I thought that, you know, Devin Jackson gets some real run. You still have Bryce Betcher back there. Once Jacobs came back from injury, though, his his snaps really cut down pat this past season. So you're looking at Jerry Mixon taking on a really big role after Jamal Hill, you know, graduated is now out of eligibility. Um, but I still think that, you know, if Jacobs and Jeffrey Bossa could stay healthy, I don't really anticipate them leaving the field too often. I I am still I know he has some moments. I'm still awaiting Devin Jackson's like, oh my gosh, here he is moment for a, a game or so where that happens. And I don't know if it's going to be that's something that happens this season because of how highly I think of Vasa and how highly I think of what we saw from Jacobs down, especially like the last four or five games of the of the season. I thought he played really mm -hmm. well. So uh, yeah, I I uh, I don't think there's much to, in terms of 
changes to make. I will be very curious once again what the true freshman's impact will be because, again, these are really highly regarded prep prospects, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if one of these guys moves their way into the too deep and, and just becomes too good not to play. But identifying who that would be is really hard. Um, it's also strange because the post-All-American game rankings were really pretty big shifts for two players. Like Dylan Williams went soaring and Braden Platt really plummeted. Um, mm -hmm. and Matt could probably kind of fill in some of the gaps there. Cause I know we talked to one of the guys who put together the rankings, but, um, like before the all American game stuff and everything I'd heard, I would have thought Platt was the undoubted most likely to make an impact. And now it's like, they're kind of all on even footing from a rankings perspective. And from what I've heard, Dylan Williams actually might be the guy to, to make an impact early. Matt, do you have any thoughts on kind of the, the ranking recruit, the, the recruiting stuff? And then also, I guess on, on what Jared just ran through. Um, I guess from the, the the depth chart, I have no problems with it. Um, that's what I would do. The Platt, he was undersized and underweight when he went into the All-American game. So that's why he dropped. Also wasn't as good as other players at his position, which is understandable. Yeah, It, it makes sense for why a drop. Um, Mathudi dropped or had slight change, but it wasn't anything serious. And then Dylan Williams moved up um, because of his play at, at, at the Poly Bowl. Um, I, I think all three of them could play. I think all three of them could redshirt. I, I think Devin Jackson and Jerry Mixon and Bryce Betcher could have the backup roles completely secured, and I think they all could lose their jobs. I, I don't think there's anything certain behind – Bossa and Jacobs, and I guess for Oregon, if you're lucky or if you're, you're fortunate that you have two studs that start at linebacker. So, like, as long as they stay healthy, they should be on the field majority of the snaps. Yeah, it's a great it's a great problem to have. Like, there's you you come into the season in the Big Ten as one of the better linebacker rooms, and you know Jacobs when he was fully healthy heading into the season last year, it, it looked like he was going to be the starter. And, you know, obviously he suffers an injury during fall camp and, you know, gets sidelined for the first seven or eight games of the year. But you saw what he could provide. And him going back to the Big Ten as a former Iowa linebacker, I think that really helps their defense, just knowing the, the physicality and um, his size. He's just, like, by far the biggest linebacker in the room. So I think that helps their defense overall. Um, transfer needs, you guys think we need any? No, probably not. I mean, I guess if there's like a super experienced veteran guy, but who's coming over to be a backup? So I, I think they're fine because I, I think the future of the room is because most likely Boston Jacobs are done after after this season. Um, mm -hmm. I think the future of the room is probably there with Mixon, with Jackson, with all the true freshmen we talked about. So I don't, I don't see a need, and I don't know if there's really a scholarship available for this room either because you have two positions and they've already got like about eight star, you know, scholarship caliber players. I'll include Betcher because I know he's not on one technically, but yeah, I don't think so. If, like, if there's a perfect person that shows up, maybe, but I, I think they're good. Um, if, if a player, the quality of Jamal Hill or better is available, then yes. If not, no. Um, I don't think they have a guy today that's better than Jamal Hill on its roster. Um, and they played three linebackers pretty much predominantly. Those were the three. So if you can upgrade your your third guy, absolutely. But like what Eric said, I don't think that there's going to be 
that guy that's out there. And I, I do think you could sell the, the idea that, Hey, you're, we're just going to rotate these three guys mm-hmm. and that could bring a established player to Oregon. I mean, they're going to be a title contender. They're, a, you know, elite defense. Dan Lanning's reputation is extremely high. You know, we've, we've seen it at other positions where guys are willing to to roll in and, and rotate. And this is another position that does that. So if you find a third, do it, but I don't think there will be one. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to have to be, like you said, Matt, a guy of Jamal Hill's quality. And I, I think Jamal, like certainly during the middle of the season showed that, um, you know, he would probably be a starting linebacker for a lot of teams. And I don't know how many like, elite teams he would start for but you know we all had a lot of question marks about him moving from safety to linebacker and he performed really well during the first half of the season before Jacobs got back and it would be uh it would be a tough sell for somebody to be like yeah no I'm gonna leave a starting job to be a third or to be like the rotational third guy but uh if, if there's a guy to do it it's probably Dan just with his history and uh his ability to coach linebackers but um I'm interested to see who's gonna emerge as that third guy like we've said, and you know, it could be Devin Jackson, it could be Jerry Mixon. They rotated uh, Jamal and Justin last year, so that makes me feel like it'll be a Mac linebacker. So it could be Jerry Mixon, and it could be you know one of the three newcomers. But uh, we'll have a much much better idea come spring ball and the end of that. All right, moving on to corners. I think that's my next one. Yep. All right. This one was the change uh, just because Jabbar Muhammad, like I said at the very beginning, uh, he announced his commitment to Oregon, and I have him as a starter, just a, a day one starter. I have him at the field cornerback position with Cam Alexander as his backup, and then I have Jaleel Florence at boundary with Dante Manning at his, as his backup. Um, I think I think Muhammad was an, it was an easy – day one starter um we all saw what he did last year for washington specifically what he did against troy franklin and then specifically what he did in, in their playoff stretched um you know in the conference championship game against texas and then against washington um i wrote about him a little bit i think over the last four games of, or the last three games of the year in that playoff stretch he was targeted nine times he allowed three receptions and all three of them came against texas and he only allowed two yards after contact so uh, Muhammad is a is a true island kind of corner who's great in coverage, who's got length, who's got speed, who's got agility, who can make tackles. Um, I think that he's a day one starter for Oregon. The question was like, does Oregon go with Cam Alexander, who was darn good at UTSA as the as the boundary corner, or do they go with Jaleel Florence, who was a starter when healthy all year last year? Uh, I think they'll go with Jaleel. I think that his skill set is pretty good for the boundary i like what he can do out there with his size he's like six one six two he's got a long wingspan he's athletic um he certainly had moments last year where he could be considered somewhat of a shutdown corner like he had moments of it but it wasn't as consistent as what Kyrie jackson was um when they were both 100 percent. so i think it's a good one too and then dante manning ups and downs. I think it's kind of as simple as that. Where against Oregon State, he was tremendous. He's really physical. Maybe that helps more in the Big Ten against bigger receivers. But um, 
lot of ups and downs, but I think that's a really quality backup cornerback to have in this cornerback room that has an incredible amount of talent now. Jabbar Muhammad is probably the best corner Oregon faced all season. Acquiring a player like yeah. this is is like pretty significant. I think he's an undoubted starter. Um, I'm with you on the Alexander versus Florence thing. I would go Florence. I think you laid it out pretty well. I I, I think there's a level of Jaleel isn't losing his starting job unless someone takes it from him. And maybe Cam Alexander is good enough, but right now it's hard to make that case. I I also think I don't know what you think of this, Jared and Matt, but if they go Muhammad and Alexander, that's two kind of undersized ish corners by today's standards. Like at least they're both sub five yeah. eleven, sub sub six foot. That was the know. other thing. Like yeah. Florence is you know whatever six one six two. Like he's got the length. I just like like having a little versatility in terms of sizes to to match up with different you know, skilled players that you would face. So I, I'm into that. And then there's so many, you know, I don't want to say so many, but there's a lot of other names behind this group to talk about potentially. I don't think I would put any of them ahead of who's on here just because I think that's a pretty experienced and talented foursome that you have. But we haven't mentioned Nico Reed, who I think we can talk about in a moment. Um, we haven't talked about Roger Pleasant. We haven't talked about Ife Obadegwu, who is a huge riser, by the way, in the 24-7 sports um, post bowl rankings or post all American bowl rankings. Um, we haven't talked about uh, Dakota Fields. I mean, there's there's just a lot of young Dalen Austin, perhaps. There's just a lot of young corners that we haven't really placed here. Who, like, I'm not going to be surprised if any of those guys, you know, soar up this list and end up pushing to start or something. But right now, it's just really hard to make those sort of proclamations. But like Obadegu being a top 50 recruit basically kind of changes a little bit of the calculus of how I'm kind of thinking about him. What, you know, and I know that's silly that the number next to him changes that much, but let's be real. We're not full-time talent evaluators. And if the people we trust say this guy's made a bunch of progress and goes from being the 120th best player in the country to being like a top 50 player or top, whatever he's 53rd, mm-hmm. that's, that kind of changes the way I'm kind of looking at him. So, but uh, I wouldn't change anything, but I just think there's a lot of names to know kind of similar to, Defensive line. Jello Florence's availability will, for spring football will dictate a lot of this. Mm-hmm. He is hurt, and he has a pretty significant brace on his leg. He's in crutches. Um, is that something that he can recover from in a couple months? Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, I think Cam Alexander's addition was probably going to happen regardless of Florence's availability or not for next season. Is he going to be fully healthy? Is he going to be here for spring ball? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly is a, an added insurance that he is here. Um, I think those are your three corners. I don't think you could argue one of them could start over the other one, and I don't think it'd be that big of an issue. Um, th- those are going to be your three main guys. And if Dante Manning's your fourth, who I – still believe could maybe change positions to solve a problem that the next position we're going to talk about, but uh, that would allow some of your younger guys that you talked about, Eric, to move up as well. So, um, but your three main guys are Jabbar, Alexander, and Florence, and that's a pretty darn good group, and you should feel confident going into the games that you play in the Big Ten. Can I can I pitch an idea really, really fast here, Jared? Which is... Of course. Nico Reed came to Oregon last year, having been an outside corner, and he basically played slot corner um, throughout the year, which means he was lined up kind of against guys like Tez Johnson based upon his size. Um, mm-hmm. It's possible, and nothing is, I don't have any 
background information, but it wouldn't be surprised if like Nico Reed followed Demetrius Martin to Michigan State. Yeah. You think about Nico's career, he was at Colorado with Demetrius, followed him over to Oregon. Wouldn't be surprised if he went to Michigan State. That's not reporting, that's just putting a couple things together. If that happened, I wondered if they would make in specific packages just to get Alexander out there more, kind of the Nico Reed slot corner, just based upon his size. As yeah. a hypothetical way to get these all on the field a little bit more. Yeah, well, the only thing is I think they have their their slot corner. They have their star star nickel guy already in Brandon Johnson, but we'll get to that in a second. Like I don't I, I don't know. Like I think Nico kind of split his time if my if I can remember the snaps correctly in my head, where it was he got like a hundred or hundred and twenty more snaps at wide corner than that nickel corner. And, I thought that shifted but because I, of the injuries is why. I, it was, yeah, that's what I was just going to get to. It was more injury-related than, like, yeah. personnel-related. But I think that Alexander – well, Alexander only played wide corner as well, like at UTSA. I know. I, I think, I, Nico Reed did the same thing at Colorado before coming over. Right. That's why I brought it up. But the, the size could certainly be beneficial for somebody yeah. to be, like, that slot corner if they're going to – you know, if they run dime more than they do nickel. Exactly, um, but uh, I don't know. It's so early to tell. <laughs> like, uh, I the only thing, the only other thing I was going to mention was amongst the younger fellas. Um, in my original two deep, which I did two weeks ago, like I said, I had Sioni Lalea as a backup, the junior college prospect, the number two overall junior college prospect, number one overall cornerback junior college prospect. He's got height. He's got speed. Mm -hmm. He's got athleticism. He has everything you'd want in like kind of a Madden created player corner. And whether that will translate into the college, the you know the the, the Division One Power Five Oregon Big Ten college, I don't know. But I kind of liked him as that second you know that uh, second boundary corner behind Florence. And originally I had Alexander as a starter on the field side with Manning as on the field side as well, but. His speed and his length, I think, are something that um, people will, will take notice of if he sees the field because uh, it's not often a guy that size is able to move that quickly. And with his length, I think um, he's the, the like the definition of like what I said, like a Madden corner, like long arm, long limb, like can get out there and deflect passes. So I think he's like the – him and Ify Obadegwu, who I've, who I've loved for a long time now, are – like the two guys, I think most from the freshman class who I could see immediately participating. But again, you have guys like Dakota Fields out there too, who are pretty darn good in their own right. There's so much talent here. That's the thing that stands out. Like, there's a ton of former four and five star recruits or guys who've been really good players at other schools. Yeah, I don't. Off the top of my head, I can't remember a cornerback room as deep and talented, at least like uh, on paper, as talented as this one is this year. But you guys have a much deeper memory of Oregon football than I do. Twenty, Matt, was it twenty twelve or thirteen where they had Troy Hill, Efo, and uh, Terrence Mitchell? It was a really, really good. Pretty team. sure it was twenty thirteen because I remember uh, Mitchell went pro. That's right. It was kind of like, whoa, what are they going to do? And that's what allowed Troy Hill to become who he was and get a draft pick as well so they've they've had some corners i mean lenore and thomas graham were pretty darn good too together sure. um and i think 
Ugo Amadi was a corner that they shifted to safety with that group. Um, so that was another one that was like three guys. Thomas isn't in the league anymore, but three guys that were NFL guys too. So, but this is to Jared's point. Like this is, it's, it's right there. It's a, it's right there. It's a loaded unit. I thought about that, like that 17, 18, 19 range. And I just don't think they had the, the guys like there's legitimately like eight or nine cornerbacks in this room who were highly touted prospects. And yeah, again, a, yeah, depth. You're right. From a depth perspective, and now, now we're nitpicking a little bit, but again, it's like just on paper because we, you still need to play the games. This is why sure. you play the games. It's like you could be a three or a four star, but if you're good on the field, that's what matters the most. Um, okay, moving on. No portal needs. Take a break. No, 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 no portal, portal needs. No portal needs. This is they're fine. They yeah. got too many guys almost. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think so. We'll see in spring ball. Uh, Matt, do we want to take a break or we want to just go straight through? Uh, just go straight through. All right. We're going straight through. On to safety, another position group that um, changed just a little bit uh, from the first time I did it. As of now, I have boundary safety being Tysheem Johnson with his backup, the true freshman and Aaron Flowers. I think the only true freshman to make yeah. my two deep. Uh, free safety, I have Kobe Savage, the uh, Kansas State transfer. Uh, and then backup is Tyler Turner as a redshirt freshman. And star safety, I have Brandon Johnson, the transfer from Duke, followed by Nico Reed, the former transfer from Colorado. I had to do some shifting around here because I think safety is still like uh, – there There are some question marks. This and interior defensive line, I had the biggest uh, difficulties, I would say, kind of figuring out what this is going to look like. I decided to move Taishim Johnson in the boundary. Uh, he hasn't played a lot of boundary in his career, like just a little bit. And sometimes when you go by the the PFF snap counts, the alignment of where they where they are on the field is kind of messed up. It's not it's not tried, not 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 really true. But that being said, of the personnel that they have, that has to be Tyshim Johnson who moves to boundary, and then Kobe Savage as your deep, your free safety, and then Brandon Johnson as your star safety because that's all he played at Duke and. You could probably move Brandon Johnson to that boundary safety spot. But what he does so well, this yep. is Brandon Johnson from Duke, is get after the quarterback. He had uh, two sacks this past year and eight and a half tackles for loss as a Crazy. safety. It's and crazy. then the year prior, he had five and a half sacks and six and a half tackles for loss. So, and I really liked when Oregon would blitz Tysheem Johnson. Um, you know, he had that big sack on. Tyler Shuck in game one, that was kind of, or game two, excuse me, that was kind of like his introduction to the Oregon fan base. Like, hey, we're going to run off, we're going to pressure off the edge. And boy, is Brandon Johnson really good at that. So again, you could, you could, Oregon last year did lots of blitzes with Bennett Williams in that boundary safety spot. And you could put um, Brandon Johnson there and have him kind of do the same thing. But I just kind of like Tysheem Johnson going there. There's not really any rhyme or reason. I really wish I had a good, sound, logical explanation as to why. But I think I just like Brandon Johnson more as, a, as closer to the box and closer to the line. And then Tysheem Johnson at boundary and then Kobe Savage at free. But uh, I still have some question marks. And this is going to be another group that come spring, we're going to finally have a, a better, a much better understanding of what the position group looks like. This room needs a Brian Addison 
So someone a little bit more explosive yeah. can cover range. I mean, you know, Kobe Savage, having talked to the K-State guys a little bit, they're really high on him, by the way. I think he's a really high-character kid. Sounds like the family's great. Had a lot of positive things to say about him as a player, and especially how he plays in space. But it sounded like coverage wasn't, like, his strongest suit. I know he's coming mm-hmm. off an ACL tear, I think, in 22, according to whom, yeah. I think what he said or what I've read. So um, – Maybe that improves, but I, I do get a little worried here about and then you also think like what what's on Oregon's schedule? Maybe there's nothing to be worried about, but a team that would have theoretically have a Washington type pass attack could really target some of these safeties, I think, hypothetically. Again, I don't know if that ex- that that exists, but you look through it and it's just, there's a lot of like sub six foot guys who are who are good around the box but don't haven't played a lot deep. So I'll be interested to see how this um, kind of shakes out. I will also be, wouldn't be surprised if this is a spot to look at adding a transfer. My only concern then is, like, it's just then you got Taishim and Brandon Johnson, the two Johnsons, battling for star minutes, and it's, I think those guys are probably going to be two of your three or four best defensive backs next year. So I don't know. It's a I, I, I'm I'm with Jared. I, I have a hard time kind of understanding all of how this is going to play out, but. I like a lot of the players here, and obviously this is the position, as, as Jared noted, where you have the least depth at the back end because you're, as Jared listed, Aaron Flowers and Tyler Turner are two guys who are both going to be freshmen. Tyler was on the roster this last year and played like 30 snaps, and Flowers is a true freshman. That's not super inspiring in terms of confidence, so maybe adding a portal player makes sense just to get a little more depth, but... Yeah, this is this is the weirdest one for me, Jared. Just having gone through this exercise myself a couple of days ago, it, it's it's it feels like there's a piece a piece missing, or there's a player on the roster already who's going to factor more into this that we haven't talked about. I right. don't know. It just there's something. I feel like we don't have the full picture here right now. Uh, Jared says it in the story of cross training DBs. I think the spring is the solution to your guys's concerns at the back end. Um, they have the body types of of Brian Addison on their roster. Sione Lulao, I can't say his last name, Sione, and Kingston Lopa. And I also think Dante Manning fits that position as well. Um, I I think we see one of those three get cross, cross-trained as the backup to Taishim. And then when it's a very clear passing situation like we saw previously with Brian Addison, you know, he came into the, onto the field and that that safety position either came off or he played a different spot. So it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if it works. Uh, one of those three guys plays um, the safety position. Taishim goes back down to his star and the other Johnson comes off the field or plays somewhere else. Yeah. And that's the thing. And Lopa is already a safety. So yeah. He'll he'll be back there to start anyways. I think we directly asked Dan that at his national signing day, if I remember correctly, because there was like Hamptons told he me, that, yeah, he he's starting out as a safety. Yeah, and it's his intention to keep him there his entire career. It, it would make sense, and you're right. I, I wrote about that, and it's like those are the guys. But again, they're you're relying on a true freshman, and you're relying on uh, Laulea, who's a guy who who played junior college, obviously, and I had him in my original 2D for the cornerbacks. Um, but it's still a guy who was a cornerback in, in junior college and not a safety. So, But I, I do think that 
there's a good chance one of those guys can emerge because that's exactly what they need. There's just no height here. Everybody's under six feet, at least on the depth chart that I produce, except for Aaron Flowers, who again is a true freshman. Um, and I think that kind of leads us into if there needs to be a transfer portal edition, which I don't know if there needs to be, but it kind of goes to the defensive line. It's like if you can, like somebody who's like six foot two or taller who can be rangy would be nice. It'd be a good addition to the room. I think this one is most dependent on spring practice. Because to Matt's yeah. point, if they cross train a bunch of guys, and like we, I still think Kamari Terrell, Dalen Austin are guys who've kind of cross trained already. Maybe one of those guys really fits here and is an impact player. Those are both guys I know the staff was high on when they came in, both really athletic, a little bit more size. Um, I think if they come out of spring being like, okay, we're, we've tried half a dozen guys, because they have that many guys probably to do this with. We've tried half a dozen guys, three of them seem capable, and all we need is one or two of them to be contributors this fall then I don't think there's a reason to take anybody. But if you come out of it being like, eh, I don't really know if we have that many guys, I, I think you, you owe it to yourself to grab one more experienced player who's six foot two or taller, has a little bit of size. And again, our part is, is projecting what's even in the portal after spring. This is the first time we right. really had this specific breakdown of how everything works out. And I have no idea what spring post-spring portal window is going to look like is is are there going to be high-end players leaving at that point or is it going to be just what i expect it to be which is this is what that's the time of year where they kind of you push out the guys that aren't going to be on your team and like i expect oregon will probably end up shedding six or seven players at that point and those aren't players that would go to a better school those are players that are going to end up going down a level so i don't really know how many i don't know i don't know how many guys are even going to be worth taking at that point in the year i think is is, is the other right. part of this uh, I think if if you have the room and you can find a guy that's fits your body type that you guys have described and has playing experience at the collegiate level, you take him. And who cares what an underclassman thinks? Yeah, because as you guys have made it clear, like you don't want to play an underclassman, go find one that's an upperclassman. If if that guy's available, um, if he's not roll with what you got but like what you said eric uh, a lot of this will dictate upon what happens in spring football um if they're comfortable or if they're not comfortable uh, the last thing I, i'm gonna say is maybe it is flowers because you know he made the rounds of this, some of these all-american games and you know his his ranking went up you know pretty significantly on 24 7 um maybe it's him maybe he's the answer there he's not you know he's not six foot five or anything but you know, maybe he's the pass pass down guy because if there is a position where you know you're going to start a true freshman on the defense, safety is not a bad one to start with. At least if it's a free safety, and the other ones, you know, like edge rusher. But maybe Flowers is a guy. I just I don't know. They have three like legitimate starting safeties now through the transfer portal after adding Brandon Johnson, and then. I'd feel pretty comfortable if Nico Reed was thrown in there in like a in a in a whatever type of situation yeah. because I've seen him play and he's a good like slot corner. But now it seems like you have four or three or four slot corners. So I don't know. There's just this is a, again like a big question mark to me. I I do think there will be some impact of Demetrius Martin going to Michigan State eventually, yeah. and I don't know yeah. exactly who follows, but I. 
I, I would anticipate at least a guy or two doing that. That's not again. That's not reporting it. That's just kind of common sense of this. These rooms have a ton of players. Martin is probably going to want to improve Michigan State's defensive back room, and there's probably a player or two that he recruited here that he can convince will have opportunities to play more at Michigan State than here because there are really talented young players at both cor- well, especially at corner to pick mm-hmm. from. And and Nico Reed, the reason I brought his name up earlier was just because he's already transferred with me one time, so a second time wouldn't be super right. crazy. And he's also not like a Pacific Northwest kid; he's from Texas, so. I think there's probably just a more likelihood that someone leaves just in general than following me. I mean, okay. if that was the case, Cole would have gone to Michigan State, um, played for dad, played for an alma mater, find a, find a way on the field in the defense there. Um, I, I do think there's a possibility someone like Nico Reed could transfer, but um, Michigan State's going to be garbage next year. They're not going to be good. So if you're if you got one year left of eligibility – you do what Jabbar Muhammad did. You do what Cam Alexander did. Um, you do what a lot of these guys that have transferred from Washington have done. Um, and they go pick a school that's going to be really good next season for their last year. Um, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I, I, I would be surprised if a senior openly chose to go to play for a school that's going to fight to be 500. Maybe, I mean, Maybe that's Nico Reed's best option. I don't know if, if he does transfer. But I, I think it's more possible that guys just go somewhere else than follow Martin. Could be, yeah. Again, I'm not porting anything. I'm just sure trying try to figure it out. Because there are probably going to be some departures from that group. Just based to be. On numbers, right? Yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. after the Muhammad edition. It's like, yeah. hey, we... <laughs> We're gonna take this guy. We know that he's damn well proven. Like, and you guys aren't gonna play. So, you either stay or go. And there's probably gonna be some guys who are leaving. It's same thing at the defensive line position with, with Caldwell. Like, we've already seen one freshman Palm A transfer. We'll probably see one or two more between the two groups of the 23 and the 24 class in the next year. Like, mm-hmm. just the, just the way it is. That's that's life today in college football. All right, it's gonna do it for us here on the Autonomous Podcast. You can go read Jared's story on DuckTerritory.com uh, for more in-depth coverage on that. Go to DuckTerritory.com for more recruiting coverage for basketball coverage. Jared's got his baseball stuff going already. Uh, softball will be starting up there as well. Um, before you know it, spring football will be here. April twenty-seventh is the spring game. Should have mentioned that at the very beginning, uh, but we'll have a lot more coming up before then. So until then, you've been listening to the Yachts and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.